that I am the founder of Willows and Daisies um, and a life coach, an empowerment and confidence coach. Um, this is my partner, Dave. Hi. Um, and we are going to be talking about appearances um, and how appearances can um, have a um, huge control and a huge bearing on our mental health and also how our mental health can uh, change the way that we appear to the outside world. So putting on a facade or how the outside world may may view you depending on your appearance um, and the impact that that has. So, um, your one, you say that appearance doesn't you don't care about how other people view you. Or that's something that you've said in the past, that you don't care about how other people view you. I think it depends on how comfortable I am. So it's like, like around you and the girls, I'm comfortable, so I don't really pay much attention to my own appearance. So I will just let my hair grow, let my beard go scruffy... Lucky you know it. <laughs> you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, so, in a way, no, it doesn't matter to me. I think it matters more to me when I'm trying to either make an impression or say I've got a big night and I'm going out or something like that. Um, possibly, possibly when you know before before I, before I met you. And I was trying to fit in with other people around me. So, like we've already spoken about, I'm sort of like a chameleon. So, I sort of like adapt to the way people are around me. So, it's like the clothes that I wear. I take inspiration from those who who I'm a part, the groups that I'm a part of at that point. And I'll listen to their recommendations and I will just take all that in and change and try and fit in but I'm never really truthful to myself I guess okay do you feel uneasy if you think that you're not going to fit in do you feel anxious about being an outsider being an outcast um no I think it's something I've done all my life I've always tried to fit in places and then I'll find somewhere that I feel comfortable. But then there's other things. It's There's other things that just make me feel uncomfortable about being there. I like it, but I don't. There's never been really a place where I've just felt that I can just be me. Um, generally, when I meet new people, I'm very, very quiet. Um, but once you get me talking that's it I don't shut up that's it (laughs) (laughs) see because I know that you get judged a lot on appearance Um, you're a big guy shaved head beard covered in tattoos so I know that when we're out you get um, people have a certain perception of the way that you're going to be and the thing is 
the people that I know, so work colleagues and people that have got to know you, they've always called you the big tattoo teddy bear. And that kind of became your nickname, you're the tattoo teddy bear, because the way that you appear to be is kind of big and gruff, whereas actually you are extremely um, soft and cuddly. <laughs> you are you are very um, softly spoken and you are thoughtful and considerate and it's not something that people tend to associate with the appearance that you have because the the tattoos and the bald head and the leather jacket that you wear and stuff it people build a narrative around you and who they think you're going to be based on the way that you look do you think that that has held you back um from being your truth because you know or you've already you've walked into a, a situation and you've already felt judged by others so you haven't let your guard down because they've already judged you yeah I do get judged quite a lot um, having my neck tattoos was a very very big decision it was like if if I do this then I can never work in the corporate world and you know, it was, and it was like, do you know what? It's something I wanted to do. It was a way of expressing myself. My tattoos have always been a way of expressing myself. And don't get me wrong, I've got ones that are terrible, as you know. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a, a massive decision when I came to do it. And do I regret it? No. Um, do I get people approach me and think that I'm this terrible person? Yes. Are they right? No. Um, you know, there's a meaning behind the artwork that I've got. And if people want to ask me about it, then they're free to ask me about it. If they want to come up with their own conclusions, let them. I'm not really bothered. Um, Children love me. I don't know why. They must look at me like I'm just like some big colouring book or something, but they tend to like me. Um, Children don't judge on appearance the way adults do. Well, exactly. They haven't got that so. preconceived idea, so they approach you based on the way that you act and the way you come mm. across. The way, you t the way you talk about the how the soft, cuddly big tattooed bear thing it reminds me of like those films with the big bodybuilders in and then somebody walks up to them and it's like alright mate and they go alright mate yeah oh it's like yeah it's, it's you know I know it's comedy it's like a comedy sketch, sketch but in, in a way I suppose it's the same sort of thing isn't it it's like yeah. you walk up to them expecting this big gruff guy you know like Hulk Hogan and etc the way they come across in the wrestling and stuff but no I'm just me and I've always been told that I've I'm quite softly spoken but I think that's probably because I'm just so laid back Um yeah. I don't tend to judge others by their appearance or the way they are you know Um if anything, 
I think the world of everybody and I'll do anything for anybody. Um, it's probably not a great trait because people do take for granted my kindness. So, but yeah, what about you? What do you think about appearance? Um, I think I've used appearance as a facade for a very long time. Um, so using it as a way to not let other people see what's going on underneath. So if I can, if I can maintain the appearance and the external facade, then maybe I can put all of the broken pieces together underneath. Um, but it's very isolating because it stops people knowing that you need help. Because when things look, it's kind of like, like the swan glides gracefully over the top of the water, but underneath they're paddling like mad. It's, people don't know what's going on underneath the surface and maintaining a, um, an appearance that everything is okay. It, it can make you feel like you've got a grasp on the situation, but it is very superficial. So it is a way of kind of like, if, I, if I've got my nails done and my hair's done, if I've got my makeup on, then everybody will think that I'm okay and they won't know that I've been up all night crying. It's like, you know, it's a way of trying to hold it together and appearance the way that i used my appearance a lot of it was a defense i used it to hide the fact that i was struggling or the fact that i needed help um i have a reputation as being a bitch um i <laughs> i am very very harsh and i come across um, very callous at times um, and that is because it's easier for people to reject that aspect of me and that facade rather than actually letting them see the real me and the true me and having them reject that because if they reject the person that I really am I have no fallback. I have no defence to that. I have no way of coming back from that situation because they've rejected me for who I truly am. And that leaves me with nowhere to go. And, and being accepted is a very primal thing that we have. Humans as pack animals our instincts are to fit in, are to be accepted, are to be a part of the clan, to be a part of the unit. And fear of rejection or fear of, of being on the outside of that is a primal fear that we have, that we've developed since the days of cavemen. It's because the lone wolf doesn't survive. If you get cut off from the pack, you didn't fit in with the hierarchy if you didn't fit in then you were cut out you were at risk 
of being cast out and that would mean death and so it's a very primal thing that humans have that they want to be accepted that they want to fit in um and so a lot of us end up leading shadow lives where we hide because we have we feel like we have to um you think that's the same when it's like you need to stand out for your mate kind of yes it's like peacocking (laughs) (laughs) yes but if you if you are not part of the clan if you are not part of a group if you are not accepted by society to some degree then no mate would accept you anyway as part of the, you had to be within a group, so you had to be within a clan. The lone wolf never had a mate. That that was it. Their 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 um thing. You would die off. So they 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 wouldn't. A mate wouldn't go with them. So you had to be part of the group. You had to be part of the clan. So and then and then it it's kind of like then you have to shine to attract a mate but not to the extent that you are going to overthrow or knock the hierarchy out of sequence. It's kind of like there's a fine tune and we all play this kind of like role. But it's it like, you know, going back to when we met, uh, we were friends for a long time before we actually got together and you was my wingman for a time. <laughs> <laughs> and and I would, I, I would get people, I would get girls flirting around me but I was just oblivious to the fact because I just wasn't tuned into that aspect of things and it was like I, I, I wasn't looking reality wise I, I wasn't well no I was just oblivious to it so. you were very oblivious to a lot even when I told you even when I pointed them out to you and you were absolutely oblivious that was <laughs> yeah but, you're pretty difficult to be Man four. <laughs> it's almost like you were kind of like determined not to have anybody yourself. It was kind of like. Well, it worked out well for you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Modest as ever. <laughs> but 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 no, you you going back to going back to like the, the facade that you said you have. Um, your 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 facade was more in the way you came across, more not so much your appearance. So when we first started talking, I just really did not know how to take you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to take you. So you'd, you'd come across and you'd have this jokey sort of way of putting things across, but it was also very demeaning, if that's the right word. That's, that's because of the way that I had actually um, grown up and, and the the understanding of love that I'd actually grown up with. So it was kind of like the experience of how to express love that I had witnessed from um, my father and then from my ex-husband. So for many, many, many years, (laughs) the only way of expressing um, or having love expressed was in a demeaning manner so it was always one of those things that my father was always very derogatory about my mother and he would always insult her but that was 
apparently a loving relationship. Yeah, oh, he loves your mum. That's, you know, everybody was like, oh, of course he, he loves her. And he would say, oh, I love her. But it was like the way that he spoke to her. And now I can see that that, that was that was really, really wrong. Um, but to me, the insults and the put downs and those remarks, and then it was the way that my sisters and I started to communicate with each other as well. Um, and then it, it developed and then I didn't have another form of communicating with people. I didn't know there was another way. I ended up in a relationship, um, in a marriage where I was insulted, I was put down. I was told that I was damaged goods. I was told that I was um, ruined. I was told that you know, um, you can't polish a turd, that I looked cheap. Um, I looked like a poor man's Holly Willoughby when I went blonde. It was kind of like, it was all of those things, these insults and these remarks that were made, but I was told that the person that made these remarks loved me. So it was this whole, it's a very twisted perception and a very twisted way of communicating um, and that comes from, from the fact that I, I never yeah, knew. So even though you're insecure about the things you decide to do for yourself. Yes. So like going having your nails done, you'll always, you'll, you always look into me for approval. Yes. Whereas I'm just like, do you like? Yeah. And if you like them, then that's fine. It's, it's not... There's, there's you, still you a lot of work that you, I'm actually doing on myself. Yeah, I still you ask you for permission it. if I can go for a shower. I mean, that's that's many years. That was a 10-year relationship that I had to ask permission to do these certain things, that I had to have permission on the colour of nails that I could have. It's like, I don't have black nails, nails anymore because... I was permitted, I was given permission to have, I was allowed black nails or I was allowed white nails, uh, white French manicure, square white tip. Mm. That was it, nothing else. Those are the things, and those are the two designs of nails that I won't have anymore because it's, it just doesn't feel right. So, so going back to when we was friends and you dyed your hair red, Yes. Um, what was the reasoning behind dyeing your hair red? I've never had red hair. Is that the truth? <laughs> no, that's the truth. I'd never had red hair. And um, I think there was a conversation that we had and you came, uh, we were talking and you were saying about how you like redheads. And then we were talking and you said that you thought I would look good as a redhead. Because of my complexion and um, my eye colour, you're like, you'd look really good as a redhead, it'd suit you. You could get away with being a redhead. And he um, did, he did, he did look nice. Yeah, but it was bloody hard work. <laughs> I, I like looking good, but I can't be bothered with the amount of effort 
So it's kind of like, I'm not high maintenance, kind of in a putting lots of effort into dyeing my hair kind of way. I'm very, very glad and I'm very, very lucky I don't have any grey hairs because I, I don't know if I can be bothered to dye my hair when I do start getting grey hairs. Are you trying to point these ones out? No. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. We just need to even them. to put them. my grey hairs out. We just, well, no, because you've sat on the wrong side of the surface here. Mm. But no, it's, it's, it's just the fact you've only got them ones on one side of your chin. You no. just need to grow some on the other side. We, we, we all know what this side of my body's like. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this side of my body just ages quicker than twice, this side. Twice as fast. <laughs> got more damage to it. But I think it's just one of those things that I can't... I don't have the additional energy or that's not the kind of thing that I want to put my energy into. Um, I like getting my eyebrows done and my eyelashes tinted and stuff because getting up in the morning and putting makeup on and putting that effort, I just really can't be bothered. And in actual fact, I think that I would rather do the morning routine. I think I get more from doing my journaling in the morning and, and writing down my affirmations and stuff in the morning than I do actually putting on eyebrows. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Last night she was asking if she could get rid of my monobrow. <laughs> yeah. So? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think you just get pleasure of causing me pain. No. No, that's mean. <laughs> anyway, you have such a high pain threshold that... I'd, I'd have to ha do a hell of a lot to kind of like cause you any level of pain. I mean, it wouldn't be like plucking those few hairs out of your monobrow. It'd be waxing yeah, your in chest. All, in all, fair, in all <laughs> fairness, I think, I think the most pain I feel these days is when one of the kids hurts themselves and I'm like, ooh, that looks nasty. Yeah. It's like, come on, I could put a saw through my hand and then just don't even blink. Very my, true, but please my kids, don't do My kids hurt themselves and I'm there going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that panic when you see one of the kids and they fall in, in kind of life and they go backwards and you're just like, <gasps> concussion. And they just kind of like laugh at you and you're just like, oh. just aged me 10 years for no point kid, didn't you? Mm. They made a pretty sturdy stuff, kids. <laughs> But yeah, but no, appearance, we've completely gone off subject. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to appearance and I'll, I'll say, um, I think because I've never really fitted in anywhere, so anytime that I've really paid that much attention to my appearance is when I've been looking for the recognition from somebody else. It's not really been, well, it is kind of for myself, but I suppose it's when I'm in a place of loneliness. And that's when I'll take better care of myself. But when I'm happy, it's just like, you know, there's, there's a saying, isn't there? It's like, oh, somebody who's put on some weight and they think, oh, it's they're, content. they're content. And I, 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 think, I think that's very true of me. I sort of, I sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I don't, I don't need 
I don't need to put all this work on myself. Um, Do you not think that actually by putting the work on yourself, you're valuing yourself? I don't know, because I always, I always put everybody else before myself. I have done all my life. Yeah, I know. But what I'm, I'm wondering is maybe the fact that you don't put this work efforts and put the work into yourself is because you don't value yourself. You value other people's opinions and you want other people to accept you, but you don't have that value of accepting yourself and doing it from a place of self-love. So it's kind of like, I have a lot of love and respect for my body. And having birthed four children um, and breastfed them, I'm becoming more and more aware of how much I've mistreated and neglected my body. Um, and so I've been pushing and having dairy, even though I know that it's not good for me. I know that it causes me to have skin flare-ups. I know that it makes me lethargic. I know that it's not good. Um, and I kept doing it for many years and now I'm cutting out dairy because it's better for my body. I'm not doing that for anybody else I'm doing it because I love and respect my body and it's kind of like well it's done enough for me now I'm gonna start paying it back if I you know when I do my exercises um I do it because I love my body and it's kind of it deserves the care and it deserves to be maintained if like if you love your car you look after your car you have it cleaned you have it checked over you you have it maintained you don't just let it run into the ground so if you loved yourself more if you cared for yourself more wouldn't you put more effort into looking after your body and looking after yourself the way that you would want others that you love to look after themselves i i I see where you're coming from, um, and yeah, maybe that's something that I, you know I need to start looking at from a different point of view. Um, but I, I'd probably say that's come, it comes from childhood trauma, um, having grown up with the family that I grew up with, the stepmothers and the abusive relationships that I'd gone through. Um, because I was always on my own it's always felt like I've always been on my own so I've never I've never I don't know how to say it it's like you, you help people with abuse Um and abuse is probably one of the things that I've experienced most of in my life from a small child up to a young adult um, and the abuse that I have witnessed I've endured when I was a child was quite extensive and it's going to have a knock on my confidence and what I'm think about myself you know it's like 
if people liked me, why would they abuse me? They didn't like you. They didn't like the person who I was. No, they didn't like you. They didn't love you. It's that, I did that blog on it and it hurts to admit and it hurts to say. But a heart that can abuse cannot love because love and abuse cannot live in the same place. Now love is the opposite of abuse. Love is respect. It is being thoughtful and kind and considerate. And none of that comes from somebody that can abuse you. If somebody can abuse you, they don't respect you. If somebody can abuse you, they don't care for you. They're not kind towards you. They're not thoughtful about you. They're not considerate about your feelings. Abuse is the lack of love and they never loved you. And that's why they were able to abuse you. My father never loved me. He wasn't capable of loving me and it wasn't my responsibility to make him love me and nothing I did or didn't do was ever gonna change that. He wasn't capable of it. I was never gonna be able to make him something that he wasn't. And I freed myself from that responsibility. My ex-husband saying, he didn't love me. He couldn't comprehend what love was and he certainly wasn't able to love me because if he did, then he never would have treated me the way that he did because that treatment doesn't come from somebody that loves you. Those remarks and those insults never come from somebody that loves you. Not with the meaning, the intent and the callousness behind it. But nothing I ever did was ever going to change their ability to love. No one I ever became was going to change them and what they could or could not give. All they could give was abuse. And me, as a child, or me as a wife, I was never going to be able to change that. The only person that could ever change that would be them. I guess, I guess if, if I really, really thought about it, then the biggest abuser in my life to myself is probably myself because I am blasting everything. Everything else comes before me. I drive myself into the grave if I was doing something for somebody else. Especially those that I love and I care deeply about. So, yeah, maybe I need to, yeah, maybe I need to look at it and start taking time out for myself I think the biggest difference for me and the biggest change for me was when I realised that I was setting an example for the girls and when I was tolerating the treatment that I was having and I knew that I was they were watching and they were learning and I was setting what they were going to accept as normal, what they were going to accept as right. 
So I have four daughters that are watching me. And if I'm going to tell them to drink the water because it's good for them, I have to drink the water to set the example because they'll watch. If I'm going to tell my children to eat healthily and make sure they eat their veg, I have to eat healthily and I have to make sure I eat my veg. I can't criticize them for skipping breakfast if that is all I ever do. I have to lead by example and if there is a level of treatment that I want my children to give themselves, if there is a level of care and love that I want my children to give themselves, then I have to lead the way and I have to show them how to do that for themselves because I'm setting the example. I guess it also comes to the point where it's like I'm no good to I'm no good to anybody else unless I'm unless you look after yourself unless I look because I'm not going to be there to do all that good stuff for them. So yeah, it's like when when I when I had the suspected heart attack. Um, it was scary, and it puts things into perspective, but. You know, going going back, it's like you know we've been together not now six years, but I've changed a lot in that six years. There's still lots to change, I know, but it's like the way I you know speak up for myself, the way I stick up for myself. I'd never challenge anybody. <laughs> I just accept, I just accept everything. But it's now it's like no, there's certain things that I just won't stand for. Like I, I've I've learned to say no rather than say yes to everything. So, yeah, it's it's a journey that it's not going to happen overnight. I think it's, it's not a- going to happen over a couple of months. It's not going to happen over a year. It takes time. It takes it takes time for those new changes that you make for yourself to actually stick with your conscience and say yeah I need to do this I think it's a journey that you never stop Mm. because as soon as you stop growing you're dying Mm. so you just keep growing you go to the next level you go to the next level there's always something more that you can work on that you can improve on and at every single level you get to love yourself more you get to step into being a better version of yourself you used to struggle and you used to have a lot of problems about speaking up and now you can and I'm so proud of you because the things that you have to say and the things that you have to share are going to be so powerful. The love that you have for the girls is unparalleled to anything that I've ever seen them receive from anybody else, apart from me. <laughs> but think, no, it is, it like- is one of those situations that you just pour that into so many other people but it it is that thing that like there's that analogy isn't there that you have a glass jug inside of you and there is a tap that is constantly pouring into it but every time you pour out of your jug and pour into those around you that tap isn't able to continue to top you up. You're moving it out of the way. And each time you're depleting yours. 
until eventually the jug will be empty. And tire out like I did the weekend. <laughs> and yes, and you will flag. You can't. You can't keep doing that. You're too valuable. I guess. I, I, I guess in a way, it's like I just don't want anybody to have to have have to experience what I've experienced. I wouldn't want that for anyone. And you know, all through all through my life, and I've I've always been scared of that saying where people turn around and say oh the abused become abusers and it's like no no if if you're an abuser it's a choice i'd say now i this is another story it's kind of like because you know i live my my life by it's just kind of like analogies and stuff um but it's the one um there is a an alcoholic father and he has twin sons um and both of the sons grow up watching their alcoholic father. And when they become adults, one of the sons is an alcoholic. And one of the sons has never had a drop of alcohol in his life. When asked why they cho- made the choice they did, both of them replied the same thing. I watched my father. You cannot dictate what somebody is going to be based on what they have gone through you cannot say that a victim is going to become an abuser because it is a choice that is made a bully will not always the bully the, the person that was bullied will not always become a bully the person that was abused will not always become an abuser it is a choice that is made to either heal the wounds and stop the cycle or to continue the cycle but that is a choice that every single person has and even if somebody wasn't bullied or wasn't abused it doesn't mean they are exempt from the risk of falling into those categories in the future becoming an abuser becoming a bully you know becoming a narcissist to a degree or or developing these traits or developing these personalities it is a choice that you make. I think the fact that we've both been through what we've been through actually strengthens our relationship. I know it does. Because, I mean, our, our relationship wasn't, wasn't easy at the beginning. We both had issues, but we both worked through it. But when you think about it, it's like, because of what I've been through, I'm really really supportive of you and because of what you've been through you're really really supportive to me and I've needed that I've needed that push I've needed somebody there to actually push me and say no you can do this you are capable of doing this for yourself and I've never really had that um I might have I I, I I wouldn't. I haven't had it to the extent that you've given me that, um, and I've always looked for. I've looked for it in others, but haven't had it. So I guess it's a case of. I'm not worthless anymore. Mm. I've got two beautiful stepdaughters and two beautiful daughters with you that just proves I'm not worthless so 
Maybe you're right, I do need to start looking after myself a bit more, so I will start going to the gym a bit more and um, play some squash. <laughs> you know the girls would love to learn to play squash with you. <laughs> it just, it's not really going to be much exercise. Yeah, so the, if, if I play squash with the girls, I'm not going to get much exercise. Probably better, probably better off playing tennis so I can go and fetch the ball fetch constantly. The balls all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go, that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it's you are certainly not worthless. Um, you are the best man that I've ever met, and it is one of those things that I look forward to the day when you start to value yourself um, because I think it's important for the girls to not only see me looking after myself to be able to step into that position themselves I think they also need to know that their partner and their spouse had to support um, and what a loving and supportive relationship is and we need to show them that this is a healthy relationship and that this is how adults work through things and this is how we take care of each other and take care of ourselves. It's a partnership. But we're on this journey together, whether it's for our health or whether it's in our businesses or whether it's in our parenting, we're in this all as a partnership. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you too. It was a very slow moving kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was great fun for us. Um, if you have any feedback or let us know what you think or any other subjects that you would like us to talk about. Um, otherwise, yes, take care and we will see you soon. I think Lou would um, actually love to have somebody else to talk to rather than just me. So if. Um, but I'm not going to hold your hand and give you a kiss at the end. No. So if you. If, <laughs> If you if if you would like to come and sit here and have a discussion with Lou, then I'm pretty sure she'd be more than welcoming, wouldn't you? Yes, I'll quite happily chat away with anybody. I think there's so many stories out there and so many people that have their own perspectives and and views on things, and so everybody's got a story worth telling. Yes. Okay. Did we really tell a story, or did we just chat? Well, we know. kind of started on appearance and then went off on an entire tangent and then gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> oh, do what you're good at. <laughs> okay, cheerio. Bye.